And I'll prepare our hearts to receive God's word. And this morning, we are going to read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. Matthew, chapter 8. Our sermon will be based on Matthew 8, 5 through 13, but we're going to read from verse 1 to have a, uh, a little bit of context to our passage. Hear God's holy and inspired word, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he, that is to say, say Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who follow, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such, a, such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Amen. This is God's holy word. May he write it upon our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the great opportunity and blessing to open your word and explain it. But we acknowledge that we need your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help us, guide us, give us wisdom to preach your word faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. People of God, as we come to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, we come and encounter the second miracle the Lord performed when he finished preaching his sermon on the mount. This is his second sermon 
miracle after the Sermon on the Mount. Both miracles uh, taught Jesus' disciples and the multitudes that followed him a very important lesson. A lesson that has to do especially with Gentiles like you and me. Notice that in healing the leper, Jesus was healing an outcast, a despised one, a person with no privileges whatsoever, a person who was basically condemned to death. In healing the centurion's servant, he was also uh, healing uh, a spiritual outcast. A person despised by the Jews and one who was excluded from God's kingdom. So in both miracles, Jesus' power and grace is revealed in a special ways. In this case, through the healing of the centurion's servant, Jesus proclaims the entrance of the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. So once again, when Jesus healed the centurion's servant, he was proclaiming, announcing that the Gentiles have a place in the kingdom of heaven. Boys and girls, do you know who a Gentile is? A Gentile was a person who was not a Jew. So any other person except a Jew was a Gentile. And we are Gentiles, too. So we're going to see first uh, the request of the centurion. The request. And then we're going to see how Jesus answered that request. But then we're going to see that the centurion objects to Jesus coming into his house. And then we see another answer by Jesus. And finally, how Jesus healed the servant of the centurion. Matthew the Evangelist says in Matthew 8, 5, uh, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, the centurion came to him. We don't know exactly how far the mountain was where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but but he, was, he was coming down. He first encountered this uh, leper. He healed him. And then he kept walking. He kept walking. And when I preached this sermon in our Spanish congregation, I was saying, notice how much Jesus walked. He walked all the time. He didn't take a taxi or an Uber, right? He walked all the time. And just in that, Jesus is a great example to all of us. Right? Walk, walk all the time. It's good for our health. But Jesus was walking and multitudes were following him. We're probably talking about at least hundreds of people following Jesus, besides his own disciples. Maybe thousands. And he he came into this city, Capernaum, which means town or village of comfort, of consolation which already is very meaningful for the event that is going to take place in this town. And brothers and sisters, Capernaum was also an important city. 
It was a bordering city. It was at the edge of the territory of Israel in northern Israel, and it bordered with Syria. So it was a bordering town, like <clears throat> kind of Spring Valley too, you know, we're so close to, to the border, right? A lot of a movement, a lot of uh, trade going on there. It was a fishing town. We read of the Lake of Galilee or the Sea of Nazareth, uh, Gennesaret, and the Jews call it a uh, sea because it was, it's a big lake. It's a big lake. Uh, when we were uh, working in, in the Midwest, in Illinois, uh, sometimes we used to go to, to the beach. And people say, let's go to the beach. And I thought, let's go to the ocean. But it's a big lake, right? Uh, it's a big lake, Lake of uh, Michigan. So it's a big lake. So the Jews also call uh, this lake uh, the Sea of uh, Galilee. So it was an important place. And because of being a bordering town and all the trade taking place, most probably there was a, a, a contingent of Roman soldiers. Because we read of this centurion who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. A centurion, boys and girls, was a soldier. He was a Roman soldier. And do you know what centurion means? The word centurion. It means 100. So this means that this Roman soldier, an official Roman soldier, a centurion, he was in charge of 100 soldiers. Okay, he was, he had a, a, a high and respected position in the Roman army, but also in Israel. He was an important military figure who was used to give orders all the time. So he, he was not, they, soldiers, you know, are used to receive orders or give orders to and sometimes, or many times, they are not very polite or gentle. You know, they just give you an order. They command, do this, do that. But here we see something unusual, really. And take into consideration the political, historical context of that time. It is the Roman Empire who conquered Israel and much of the known world in that time. And the Jews had to pay taxes or tribute to the Roman Empire, to the Roman Emperor. And the uh, Romans, they had some Jews that worked for them, and they were getting all the taxes from the Jewish people. And the Jews hated the Romans. They hated the tax collectors who were Jews and worked for the Romans. And they just hate the Romans, and the Romans too, they hate the Jews because these, these Jews were always causing trouble against the Romans. They wanted to defeat the Romans and expel them from the land of Israel and be a free nation. So they hated each other. But here we see something unique. We see this centurion coming to Jesus Christ to beg him for help to beseech him, to 
asked him a favor. He comes to him. What moved the centurion to come to Christ? He probably knew about the Lord Jesus Christ. Go with me to Matthew 4, 23. Just before the Sermon on the Mount. And there you will read in verse 24 that Jesus' fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics. And he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. You see, great multitudes. And the Romans, they had to pay attention to great multitudes following a person in Israel. So most probably the centurion heard of Jesus' fame, how he healed sick people, but also paralytics. And we read in our passage that this centurion said to Jesus, my servant is lying at home paralyzed. But not only he heard of Jesus' fame and power to heal, but he probably heard too of of the, of the leper who was an outcast, a despised person, but Jesus welcomed him. And, and the way he healed him was very interesting. Jesus touched the untouched one. He touched him and healed him. He didn't say, oh, no, no, don't come close to me. No. The leper came. Jesus touched him and healed him. So probably the centurion, knowing these facts about Jesus, said, I'm going to go. I'm going to approach Jesus and ask him to help my servant. And that's what he did. The centurion comes to Jesus Christ. We have to remember also, brothers and sisters, that in that time, Galilee, like, like all Israel really, Galilee especially was, was uh, populated by a lot of Gentiles. In the history of Israel in the Old Testament, when the northern tribes were conquered by the, by the Syrians, uh, the Assyrians rather, uh, the Assyrian Empire repopulated the area with people from uh, Mesopotamia. So they had people from, from Babylon, from Ur, from many other places. So they stayed in Israel. So there were many Gentiles in that region. We read also this in Matthew 4.15 when Matthew actually quotes uh, uh, Isaiah uh, 9 and 42. We read in Matthew 4.15 the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness, have seen a great light. And about those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. You see, there were many Gentiles. So the centurion comes to him. He comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus was going to receive him, to help him. And we see that in Capernaum, the town or the village of comfort and consolation, Jesus also shows his compassion 
his gentleness and comforts this centurion and heals his servant that was sick. Notice that uh, the centurion says that his servant was, uh, he, he says in verse 6, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed. He was lying at home, which means that the servant couldn't get up. He couldn't walk. He was in pain. He was paralyzed, and he says that he was dreadfully tormented. He was in great excruciating uh, pain. He was suffering a lot. So he comes to Jesus and says, please help my servant. Help him. And Jesus said to him in verse 2, I will come and heal him. I will come. Notice Jesus' answer. It's remarkable. Jesus was a Jew. And the centurion was a Roman. And according, and besides what we have said, Acts 10.28, Peter said to Cornelius, another centurion, another Roman centurion, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. Because the Jews... In having contact with a Gentile, they will become impure, unclean, and they couldn't participate in, in, in the sacrifices and the worship in the temple and synagogues. They had to follow a, a purification uh, process in order to become ritually clean and be able to participate in religious services in Israel. But Jesus says, I will come and heal him. Interesting how Jesus broke those barriers, those biases, those ideas that many of the Jews had just made up. But Jesus says, I will come. This is the same Jesus who touched the leper, the untouchable one. And this is the same Jesus who says, I will come. I will come to your house and I will heal. Jesus' compassion. He heard of the servant's suffering, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus had compassion on this man as he had compassion on the leper. What a great lesson we learn from the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be compassionate as Jesus was, as he is, because he still has compassion on us. He's the gentle Lord who really takes care of us. He's not indifferent to your pain, to your suffering, to your struggling. He loves you because He rescued you from sin. He has given you eternal life. But notice also that Jesus is dealing with a Gentile. So race was not an issue for Jesus to show compassion. Culture was not an issue. Language, color was not an issue. He came and with him, he brought a salvation not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, to all people. And in this we see from the beginning of Matthew 
the universal character, nature of Jesus' salvation. See, he was not only the Lord of the Jews, of the true Jews, but he was Lord of all people, of all those who truly believe in him. Brothers and sisters, we live also in a bordering town, so to say. We also live in a community where you see blacks, where you see Hispanics, where you see Filipinos, where you see American, white people. What an opportunity to show Jesus' compassion. What a privilege we have to show the love, the grace, the gentleness of the Lord Jesus Christ and not let race, color, language be a problem for us to be true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is just giving us a great example in this passage. I will come and help him. I will come. I will go into your own house. No matter what the other Jews say about that. Just think about his own disciples. <laughs> Jesus, you're going to go into the house of this Gentile to the house of this centurion, Roman soldiers, who according to Luke was a good man. He had built a synagogue for the Jews and we don't know if he was uh, really uh, what the, the New Testament called a fear of God. We don't know if he already had embraced Judaism. We don't know that. But he was, he was good to the Jews. But he was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. But still, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I will come and heal him. So the centurion says, no, 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 Lord, you don't have to come to my house. He was probably aware, you know, of this uh, culture of the Jews that no Jew could come into the house of a Gentile. And he says to him, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. I am not worthy. Notice how the centurion uses the word Lord again in verse 8, as he does in verse 6. Lord, Lord. And then, if we go back to Matthew chapter uh, 8, verse uh, 2, the leper called him, calls Jesus also Lord. It seems that Matthew is getting our attention to that, that these people are acknowledging Jesus as Lord. They didn't know Jesus as we do, having the whole New Testament complete, learning that He is the Son of God, that He is the true Messiah, that He is God Himself, the second person of the Trinity. But I believe that both the leper and the centurion, the Holy Spirit was already working in them and showing to them that this Jesus was not a regular man. He was not just another Jew. He was a miracle worker, yes, but there was something else in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we will see later. He says, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. He was not worthy. Once again, the centurion probably remembered that custom the Jews had. No Jews into a Gentile house, but he probably 
because of the work of the Holy Spirit, he was able to see the glory and the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. And that is a fundamental aspect of true repentance, isn't it? When we truly repent, we acknowledge that we are not worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He's holy and we are not holy. Because He's pure and we are impure. And He says, I am not worthy that you come under my roof. But then, He has a high concept of Jesus in the sense that He says, only speak a word and my servant will be healed. What kind of trust this centurion had on Jesus? It was remarkable. He said, just speak the word. Just say that my servant is healed and he will be healed. Who can heal just by speaking? And in this we also learn, comparing this miracle with Jesus uh, healing the leper, that Jesus is able to heal by a direct touch. But also he's able to heal just by speaking the word. And in the scriptures both Old and New Testament. Who is the one who speaks the word and things come into existence? It's God himself, right? God himself. So in Jesus, just saying the word, speaking a word, and the servant getting healed, show Jesus' divinity. Show Jesus as God himself. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And then he uses this, this uh, analogy from his own uh, job, so to say, as a, Ro a Roman soldier. He says, for also I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. You see, the, Rom the, the centurion is, is a soldier in the Roman army. And ultimately, he, as a Roman soldier, is under the authority of the Roman emperor, right? And then uh, that uh, authority or power of the Roman emperor was, was given or delegated to the other officials in, in the Roman army. So that's why he says, I am under authority. I have my superiors who have authority over me but they also have granted me authority and exercised that authority over my soldiers. And as I said before, the centurions, they only gave an order and his soldiers had to obey. The Roman soldiers were trained to obey in everything. They couldn't say no to their superiors. Some historians say that Actually, a centurion in this case had the power to even kill his own soldiers if he deemed necessary to do so. So they had to obey. So the, uh, the centurion makes that connection and he goes from, from, from the lesser to the greater. He says, I am a man who has authority. And whatever I ask or command my soldiers, they do it. How much more this man this Jesus Christ, he is way 
greater than I am. He's not only uh, powerful to give order to people, but he's actually powerful to do what human beings cannot do. Jesus not only had power over men, but he also had the power and authority over sicknesses, over demon-possessed men and women. Who had this authority? Only the Lord Jesus Christ. No one else has had this authority. No one else has it today. And no one else will have this authority. This authority belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Matthew chapter 28. Do you remember those words of Jesus? He says in verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Authority in heaven and earth. So, the centurion, as I was saying, I believe the Holy Spirit was already working in him and showed him that Jesus was not just a regular common man, human being, but he was something else. He probably didn't have that clear in his mind, but he noticed that Jesus was a special person. He was the true Messiah. He is God himself. What happened after that? We read in verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed. Listen, Jesus marveled. Was Jesus taken by surprise? No. He's God himself, but he marveled. And Matthew shows not only uh, the compassion of Jesus, but also Jesus' emotions. Right? Jesus marvels at the faith of this centurion. And Jesus marveled, not because the centurion himself was able to create faith in his own heart. I believe Jesus marveled at the grace of God himself shown through him. That God was given true faith, saving faith, not only to Jews, but especially to Gentiles, the ones who were despised by the Jews, the ones who uh, Jews believed that were uh, outside of God's kingdom. Jesus marvels at that. But that is a, that's an interesting thought as well. Do you think Jesus still marvels at believers? Sometimes we want to impress Jesus, don't we? <laughs> we want to do extraordinary things in this age in which we live, like selfies and Facebook and Twitter and things like that. We want to impress but Jesus marvels when in the middle of trials and suffering, you still believe in him. He really does. Not because he didn't expect that, but he marvels at the grace of God poured out on you. When you obey him, when you love him, when you prefer his glory rather than the glory of men, when in the middle of suffering and anxiety, 
in agony. You remain faithful to him. Jesus marvels at you because of the work, perfect work of God being done in your life. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is truly a compassionate Lord and Savior. And Jesus said to those who follow, he said that to his disciples, but also to the multitudes, those who were not really or true followers of him. He said, assuredly, and as you know, this word in the Greek is amen, right? Amen. Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. There were some who believed in Jesus. There were some who had true faith. Remember Mary, right? His own mother. There was another old lady in the temple when Jesus was born. What was the name of that old lady? Anna. Anna. But there was another old man, right? Like our pastor, he said that he's getting old. <laughs> what was the name of that old man? Simeon. Simeon, Simeon or Simeon? Simeon. Simeon, okay. Simeon, right? They had faith. Simeon actually held Jesus in his arm and says, now I can depart in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. So, was there faith in Israel? Yes. True believers. But most of the Jews reject the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't want to accept his message of salvation. But Jesus is saying here something that really took by surprise to many Jews. It really offended them. That are Gentiles, a centurion who represented the Roman Empire, who were, that was oppressing the Jews. Yes, even a Gentile was able to have true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the characteristics of the Gospel of Matthew is that even from the very beginning in the genealogy, he shows us that Gentiles, by grace, have room in the kingdom of God. Remember in the genealogy, he, he speaks of Rahab, right? This uh, whore in, in, in Jericho. She was not a Jew, right? But she, by God's grace, was brought into the people of God. And now he, he is saying that this Roman soldier has faith. God has given him faith. Faith is a gift of God. And then, at the very end of this gospel, Jesus says, go and disciple all nations, all peoples, even Mexico, yes. <laughs> even Filipinos, yes. Everyone, right, by God's grace. And he says, not even in Israel. You see, not even in Israel, Jesus is saying, they went, the ones who were supposed to believe, they didn't believe. They rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Go with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You recall those words in when he says he came to his own. What verse is that? John 1, 11. 11. He says, He came, the Lord Jesus, to his own, and his own did not receive 
they did not. Not all of them, because uh, his disciples were Jews too, right? There was a remnant, there were true Jews. But the, the people of Israel as a nation accepted Jesus? No, they rejected him. They did not receive him. The, the ones who were supposed to welcome the Messiah, they rejected him and crucified him. And Jesus says, yes, salvation is open to Jews and Gentiles alike from now on. It's open to all of us. God the Father sent his only begotten Son into the world, right? So that who, whosoever believes in him have eternal life. This is the gospel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Lord Jesus Christ adds these, um, these words uh, that probably come from Psalm 107. Do you recall that Psalm? Psalm 107 uh, says the following. He says, uh, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. This psalm refers in the first place to Jews who were exiled in the diaspora and they were rescued and returned to the land of Israel. But Jesus is giving us the true interpretation. Besides that, the historical meaning of that song, Jesus is saying that that pointed to his own salvation, to the salvation not only to the Jews, but also to Gentiles, people who have come from the East and the West. And guess what? In this nation, the United States of America, we have a tremendous opportunity because most of the Gentiles are where? <laughs> they are represented here in the U.S. From the West, from the East, from the North, from the South, we have the whole world here in the United States of America. And we're able to witness to them of this compassionate Jesus, of this powerful Jesus, of this Jesus who's able to save you and rescue you from your sins and give you eternal life. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. Oh, that was offensive to the Jews. Indeed it was. You know, they thought and they believed that they were going to sit with the patriarchs, like Jesus says here, in that great hall, sitting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Gentiles? No, no, no. They will probably be outside. Yeah, and, and I heard of a fight about leftovers here uh, <laughs> before the worship service. So that's why the Jews thought, you know, the, the Gentiles will have the leftovers. You know? But the Jews will be in the hall with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
But Jesus says, no, 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 no. And he proclaims this historical redemptive fact that the Jews will be rejected because they reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Gentiles who embrace the Lord Jesus Christ will be admitted into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of God. Isn't that wonderful that you being a Gentile, me being a Gentile, now we are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the promise that in the future, when Jesus Christ comes back for us, we will sit and dine with the patriarchs. That means we're going to be in full communion with the people of God. The one people of God. People from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jews and Gentiles. Amen? Amen. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. Yes. You know, think about this. This room is well illuminated. Right? But where will be the sons of the kingdom? Will be outside in darkness. Just think about, you know, that time. There, were, there was no electrical power like we do have today. There were candles, right? So when you, were, you went outside at night, it was black, right? Completely. I remember... Uh, when I was in seminary and went to one of the uh, villages in the mountains of central Mexico, um, you know, houses, it, it, was, it was not a, a little town where all the houses was next to each other. So it was a house here and then another house over there. And you could see people coming down the mountain to church. And they had this, uh, this, this um, uh, piece of wood that has uh, special uh, like oil right and then you light it and and even if it is sprinkling it doesn't off it's, it, it keeps uh, lighting and you could see people walking coming down from the mountain to go to church but it's dark right it's black outside you can't see uh, and Jesus says the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yes, Jesus is a compassionate Lord. He's gentle. He's loving. But at the same time, he says, if you reject me, there is no other place for you but hell and condemnation. And there will be uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Boys and girls, what, what, what does it mean to gnash your teeth? What is it that you do? And you do that when what? You're probably, if you're in pain, right? You gnash your teeth. So that means uh, that they will be in pain. The servant of the centurion was dreadfully tormented. But he was healed by Jesus. If you reject Jesus, you may have health in this life. But when he comes back for the second time, if you reject him, you will go to that place where you will be suffering. You will be dreadfully tormented for eternity. You have 
Jesus, and you have health. Choose the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be forgiven and saved for all eternity. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Yes, his servant was healed. Go. Not because the centurion has such a great faith that he created in his own heart. No. Faith is a gift of God. God gave him that faith. And he said, true faith, in that sense, works miracles. Because true faith is powerful because, because of the object of that faith. Because in whom we believe. If you believe in a weak Savior, you're going to struggle a lot. But if you believe in a Savior who is almighty and all-powerful, He will be able to help you. He will be able to help you so that you overcome those problems that you are experiencing right now. And the servant was healed that same hour. I hope the servant believed in Jesus. <laughs> I hope the centurion did, and the servant as well. So, in closing our sermon, what can we learn from our passage this morning, brothers and sisters? Once again, we learn of Jesus' compassion. Yes, we have a compassionate Lord who is not indifferent to your suffering. If you trust Him, He will heal you. He will help you overcome your trials. Number two, Jesus' authority and power. Jesus is a compassionate Savior, but He's also powerful. Do you truly believe, like the centurion, that He's able to save you, to heal you, to restore your life? Number three, Jesus' universal mission. We learn from this miracle that Jesus can save everyone who places His or her faith in Him. His salvation is not restricted to one group of people, to one race. But the Father sent His only begotten Son into the world, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Four, the church's mission. As a new people of God, we should pray that we might be bold to bring the gospel to a lost world. We must not keep the gospel to ourselves, but find ways to communicate the gospel to our community and even to other countries as we do when we support missions. And finally, we should also pray for Jews today. They rejected the Savior, but many of them believed in Him. The Lord has His elect among the two. So we should pray for the Jews as well. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your powerful Word. And we thank You for the Lord Jesus Christ who is our great high priest who sympathizes with us and who heals us from our mortal illness that is sin and rebellion against you. Thank you that because of his perfect work, we're able to be admitted into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of God. We pray this only in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we all say, 
Amen. Amen.